Okay then. Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Chris. I'm on the staff team here at Andover Baptist Church. It is my genuine pleasure to be bringing you the next little chunk of our service this morning. So I have a bit of a confession to make, okay? I am a bit of a hoarder. I like to collect things uh, because I think, you know, one day they might be useful. I have a a good story of this, a good example, because I, you know, you know these little plastic bags, right? These little ones, these charity ones that come through the door. Uh, Soon after me and my wife got married, um, these, you know, started dropping dropping onto the doormat, and I'd I'd take them from there, and I'd put them somewhere, because I think, oh, that'd be useful. I'll uh, I'll use that one day. Um, Fast forward maybe a few months down the line, uh, my wife, Christina, she discovers a little hoard of these things, uh, and there was, a, there was roughly about 60, 63 of these things uh, that I'd hoarded away somewhere, um, and she loved that, um, and that was one of the ways that she found out that I like to hoard things. Anyone else a hoarder? Can I see some hands in the room? Who likes to keep things just in case they might be useful? I'm seeing some hands. I'm seeing people pointing at people as well. (laughs) I'm seeing waving. Uh, I'm glad to hear it is not just me. Now, is anyone else the exact opposite of that? Anyone in the room? Yes, I'm seeing some hands. You like to get things away, throw them away. Wow, the person that was being pointed at is now pointing at a different person. That is amazing. Uh, So, that is awesome. Wherever you are on that scale, okay, I'll bet there's something that you actually like to collect. Uh, The Guardian uh, newspaper reckons that a third of everybody in the UK has a collection, okay? Now, that might be a a proper collection. They've decided they're going to collect something. But actually, I think it's a truth that we all like to collect something, right? All of us like to collect something, whatever it is. Even if it's not like a proper collection, we all collect things, don't we? What do you collect? Anyone? Shout them out. Something you collect. Magnet. Magnets. That's amazing. What have we got over there? We don't know. Unicorns, yes. Magic what? Match attacks, amazing. Go, shout it out. Something about badges. Pin badges, amazing. Go. Feathers, so cool. Whiskey, oh, hello. Okay, so there's, go on, one more. Games. Amazing. Love it. So cool. So there's lots of different things that we collect, right? So there might be books or stamps or Lego or musical instruments or gadgets or ornaments, all sorts of things, okay? So my two daughters, they like, they're giving me a little smile over there now, they like to collect little trinkets, little shiny things. They don't have to be shiny. It could be a smooth stone. It could be a stick. Could be literally anything. And they squirrel them away in little bags and boxes in our house. And then we find them, and they've usually gone moldy. <laughs> and so they have these things, and they call them their treasures, okay? They call them their treasures, and they hide them in little places. Anyone else's kids do that? Any nods in the room? Yes? Seeing some nods, seeing some hands. Good, excellent. It's not just me. Um, so we all collect things, right? Even if it's not official collection. Um, And these things, actually, our little collections, they tell us something about us, don't they? So if we collect ticket stubs or or tickets for things, we know that that person likes visiting attractions, going to different attractions, maybe a specific thing like a train thing or something like that. If we've got a drawer of cables at home, we might be a little bit technically minded or we just don't want to be unprepared for that one moment that that one cable actually has a use. 
Maybe if it's metal bottle tops that tell us we enjoy a drink. If it's, um, if it's clothes, we like to look nice, okay? All these different things that we collect tell us something about each other. They reveal something about us. Now, something we all collect, whether we want to or not, whether we're intentional about it or not, is money, okay? Even from an early age, we're taught about money, we learn about money, we tell our kids about it, we teach about it. We see the kids' wide eyes when you give them some money, and they're like, oh, this is money. What do I do with this money? I'm rich. So I'll bet if we took a look at each other's bank accounts, we would learn something about each other, wouldn't we? For instance, if you took a look at my bank account, my collection of money, you would very quickly realize that I enjoy eating. Okay? <laughs> very, very quickly. <laughs> you wouldn't have to go down many lines in my bank account to find this out. And we're all a bit nosy, aren't we? I'm sure you've thought at times, I wonder how that person spends their money. I wonder what they do with their pay packet. I wonder how they maybe save some of their money. We're all a bit nosy, aren't we? So I wonder what we might learn about your bank accounts as well. Because what we do with our money reveals things about us too, right? What we do with our collection of money reveals things about us. Do we excitedly spend it? Is there something in mind when you get your pay packet at the end of the month or the beginning of the month or whenever you get it, is there something you excitedly want to go and buy? When you get your pocket money, do you run to the shop because there's one thing you want to buy? Maybe when you get your pension or your pay packet or your, or your, um, your what's the word, pocket money, there you go. Maybe when you get it, you think, actually, I'm saving for something. There's something I can't buy yet, but I want to save. So you squirrel it away. Or maybe yet... Actually, you've spent it before it's ever come in. So you, you owe somebody money. There is an IOU on that cash already. So what we do with our money can tell a story about us. Where we spend our money can often show what we prioritize in life. Unfortunately, our collections of money, whether they're large or small, can sometimes dictate our stories. If the amount of money going out is more than the amount of money coming in, that's going to define what our lives look like. I wonder today what our current money collections are saying about us. I also wonder what our current financial status is doing to us. We're, if we're constantly worried about it, if we're stressed about depleting savings, are we anxious about the future? We're in the middle of a bit of a crisis, aren't we? A cost of living crisis. And you may be sat there thinking, why is the church that I'm currently in talking about a cost of living crisis? But here we want to talk about things that affect us all. And this is currently affecting us all. Which is why we're doing this cost of living series. To explore how we can live with freedom. How we can live with a bit of margin. And we can live generously in these challenging times. Now, according to the National Office of Statistics, try saying that 10 times quickly, inflation has hit a 41-year high in October last year. Food inflation hit a high in December last year of 16.8. 94% of adults in uh, Great Britain reported an increase in their cost of living in January, February this year. Gas prices, I don't have to tell you about gas prices, in the UK, up 129% over the year. The Trussell Trust, who runs loads of food banks all over the place, they're reporting giving out so many more food parcels than in previous years. The statistics, they tell a tough story, don't they? But these aren't just statistics. 
this is a very difficult reality for many, many people. I don't think any of us want our money to control our lives or our happiness. So how do we make that happen? How do we face and function in a cost-of-living crisis without it dictating our life story? When we can't control how much we get paid, when we can't control how expensive our energy bills are, when we can't control how much food costs or how many times we have to buy our children's school uniforms, (laughs) when we can't control those things, actually, what can we do? What can we do? Well, the central figure in the Christian faith, Jesus, actually had a lot to say about money. Out of the 50 top things that Jesus spoke about when he was here on earth, number four was money. Money has always been a tough subject, and it still is today. Now, you might say to me, Chris, I don't think that 2,000-year-old budgeting advice is going to help me in my day-to-day life. Well, Jesus had some really wise stuff to say, okay? And if we're not sure what we believe about our faith, you might also be thinking to me, you might be saying, Chris, you're about to say to me, give me some money, (laughs) which I'm not, I promise you. We want something for you, and Jesus wants something for you in your day-to-day life. I want to reassure you of that. So stick with me, lean in a little bit, because Jesus has got some great wisdom and some helpful principles for us today, okay? So let's jump into one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life by one of his closest friends and followers called Matthew. Matthew was actually a tax collector before he started following Jesus. So there's a little money link there too. So we pick up the story. Jesus has been miraculously healing hundreds of people. Loads of people have been drawn to him because they've heard that he's healing people. And he is healing people left, right, and center, okay? So there's hundreds, if not thousands, following Jesus, all right? And he sits down with them, and he decides that he's going to teach them some stuff. And this section of the Bible is called the Sermon on the Mount. It has like a grand title. Uh, So this eyewitness account can be found in the second half of the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, in a book called Matthew. And we're going to read from chapter 6, verse 19. So here we go. It says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, so Jesus starts really practical, right? He starts really practical. Physical stuff, earthly things can be broken, right? Can be destroyed, can be damaged. Our savings can be decreased. They could even get stolen. Some people steal our things. Pokemon cards can get ripped. People, Pokemon cards can get ripped. It's very serious. But then, after he says the really practical stuff, he then says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, what does that mean? Grace has already told us some amazing things about heaven, okay? So it doesn't mean there's a bank of heaven. It doesn't mean there's a pearly gates building society that we can put our money in. Jesus is saying, invest in the things of heaven. Invest in the things of God, just like Grace was saying earlier. Now, if you're a Christian today, you've already signed up to follow Jesus. You've already signed up to care about the things that Jesus cares about. Hopefully, as Christians, our perspective is or should be in the process of changing little by little to reflect heaven's perspective. If you're a Christian, you've signed up to prioritize love, forgiveness, mercy, kindness, all those amazing things. 
and helping bring truth and justice to our world. Jesus is challenging us to think and live and prioritize this way. Are we investing ourselves in that stuff? Your perspective, oh, that's not right. Hold on, two seconds. Good. If you aren't a Christian today, I'm just confusing myself, then you might think to yourself, what are my main priorities, okay? What are the main priorities in my life? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it my job? Is it my career? Is it a hobby or an activity? Are your resources of time and money being spent on those things? Are you prioritizing what you really value? The question for us all is, will it make a difference tomorrow how I spent what I have today? Will it make a difference tomorrow how I spent what I have today? Are the things we're spending money, time and effort on going to last the test of time? Big questions. So let's read on. Next bit that Jesus says. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. There your heart will be also. <laughs> Jesus is drilling down, okay? He's drilling down into the first thing that he said. And he's saying, he's talking about where our heart is actually going to be. He's saying where we store our treasure, our money, our collections, that reveals where our hearts and our desires are, okay? The biblical idea of the heart is the center of us, okay? So it's more than just our desires. It's about our minds. It's about our thoughts. It's about our focus. It's about our attention. So where our treasure is, there the core of our being kind of goes to live. Your mind, your thoughts, your focus, your attention, and your desires are where your treasure is. If we make a pattern of choosing to invest in physical, earthly stuff, our collections, our clothes, maybe video games, ornaments, gadgets, whatever it is, yes, we'll get that initial burst of happiness, won't we? When you buy a new thing, you get that little buzz, right? But it will only ever get a limited buzz or happiness from that thing. That's kind of it. However, when we invest in something of more substance, of deeper value, something happens within us. And if we choose to invest ourselves and our resources in the things of God, we are centering ourselves on someone, on a person who is going to invest in us. He continually wants to invest in us every day, every week, every month, every year for the rest of eternity. So we're not investing in something that's just going to give us that initial buzz and then it's going to leave. We're investing in a person who is then going to invest in us. How amazing is that? So let's read on. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I'm going to make a bold statement now, okay? My bold statement is this. Multitasking is a myth. This is my bold statement, okay? Multitasking is a myth. I know there's this whole thing of men versus women and... Women are really great at multitasking, and men are really awful, and women can think about loads of things all at the same time, and men just have to think about one thing, and I know that this is a whole thing, right? However, listen, I've got, some, I've got something here. I've got something here. I believe I do. I went on this time management course, okay, recently, because my time management is shocking. Uh, another little uh, confession there. And in the space of this time management course, right, 
they said that multitasking isn't really multitasking at all. It's something called switch tasking, okay? Stay with me. So Asana, so they make the world leading time management and project management bit of software, okay? They quote this. They say multitasking is a myth. In reality, it's rapidly switching from one task to another and then back again, okay? And every time you make that switch, you pay a tax on both your time and your energy. So when we think that we're multitasking, actually what we're doing is going really fast between the two things, and actually we're losing focus because we're focusing on this and we focus on that, and then we've got to come back here and remember what was going on here, and then go back there and remember what's going on. And some people might be better, than, better at that than others, I'm just going to say. <laughs> there may be some people out there that are better at switch tasking than others, but we have to think about how productive we are in that, in that way of working, okay? And it's the same principle here. It does actually, there's a point to that. I didn't just ramble on for nothing. There is a point. So it's the same principle here. Jesus is saying we can't multitask with what is the dominant driving force, the controlling factor, the master of our lives. We can't multitask in that, okay? You can't be chasing God and money at the same time. We're switching. We're not multitasking. We can't do both together. We're either doing one or we're doing the other. Now, we might not like to think that in our lives we have a master. That's a bit of a weird thing to think, isn't it? Oh, I have a master. But when we take a moment to honestly think about and reflect on what occupies our thoughts, what occupies our time and our effort, you arrive at what might be the dominant driving force in our lives. Jesus is saying that we need to consider carefully are we chasing after God or money? Are we seeking after God or our earthly collections? And which occupies the most of our thoughts, our time, and our effort? And boy, is that a challenging thought. So we read on. Here we go. Therefore, he's coming into land. Jesus is coming into land. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not, the li is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus now hits us with his conclusion, okay? He's saying that because we are storing our treasure in heaven, because we are following after God and not money, that means, therefore, we don't need to worry. And why don't we need to worry? Because God has our back. Your heavenly Father feeds them, feeds the birds. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus says God looks after the birds, and so he'll look after you. But he doesn't just say that. He says, you are much, you are of much greater value than the birds. So he's really, really got your back. But just saying, I realize this, just saying, don't worry, is very easy to say, right? Has anyone ever said that to you? Oh, don't worry, stop worrying. That's really unhelpful, isn't it, sometimes? And I'm sure someone has definitely said that to you. And you think to yourself, yeah, I'm in this situation. You're not in this situation. How can you tell me not to worry? Research shows that the average person has 6,000 thoughts every day, right? 6,000 thoughts are buzzing around up here. That is a lot of thoughts, and that is a lot of potential worries, right? 
worries about work, worries about school, worries about friends, worries about health, worries about family, worries about keeping up with everybody else and what they think of you, worries about putting food on the table till the end of the month, worries about keeping the heat on in the house, worries about worrying too much. That is a lot of worries. All of this worry, it cripples us, right? We know this. It cripples us. And it doesn't actually achieve anything because it just makes you even more worried. So how do we not worry? Well, Jesus says we don't worry by trusting in God. By trusting the one who looks after creation, including those birds that you talked about, consider and, and cons- who considers us of so much more value than all the other stuff that he's created. So, what does trusting in God actually practically look like? Well, it looks the same, but also completely different for each of us, right? So, the first step to trusting God is something we can all do. And that first step is to choose to believe in God, to choose to believe in his reliability, his character, who he is, to believe in what he says is true, to believe in his ability to guide us and his strength to act in our lives. That's something that we can all do. And then the next practical step is completely different for all of us. This next practical step of trusting God in this area of money in our lives looks completely different for all of us, right? To some, trusting God will look like reaching out to get help. It will look like leaning on a trustworthy organization like a food bank or frontline debt advice. It will, trust will, trusting in God will look like believing that God wants to bless you through them. And I'm just going to say, if anyone's in that position today, please come and chat to us or ask somebody. We can point you in the direction of some people that can really help in these different situations. But maybe trusting in God looks like that today. To others, trusting in God might look like diverting some of our money collection to a worthy cause, to those in need. And in trusting in God in that instance, we believe that God will bless us with the joy of being generous. To others, trusting in God might look like putting less energy into our earthly collections and investing our, our precious time in improving the lives of others. Maybe that is how we can trust God today, believing that his finest riches are discovered through lifting others up. For us all, the tough question is, who are we currently trusting? Are we trusting our own wisdom? Maybe our friends, maybe our job income is what we're trusting. Are we trusting the interest rates might come down sometime soon, which would be nice. (laughs) Are we trusting the latest money tips or, or advice? Is whatever we're placing our trust in stable and secure enough to calm our worries and give us real hope? If you're a Christian today, the tough question is, do we really trust God? Do our worries, our anxieties tell a story of a good relationship of trust in God? How do we deal with our worries? How we deal with our worries can indicate the image of God that we carry around inside of us. If the image of God in here is that he's quite distant, he's generally quite disappointed in the way I am, he only works in the lives of the, like, the super holy people, um, if that is the idea of God that we have in here, then I might not trust him with my worries, actually. But if the internal image of God that I have in here is of an all-powerful, universe-forming, recklessly generous, infinitely loving, incredible heavenly father who delights in me even when I mess up all the time and he longs to work in my life, if if that's the image I have in here of God, then maybe I can trust God with my worries. So 
Let's try and sum up what Jesus has been saying to us to make it all helpful for us this morning, okay? How can we live free from the control and worry of money? I believe Jesus is saying our spending reflects our priorities, while our worries reveal what or whom we trust. So our spending reflects our priorities, while our worries reveal what or whom we trust. So if we follow Jesus' advice, if we take this advice today and we trust in God and we prioritize the things of God, then we're going to find ourselves with some peace about that. We're going to find ourselves spending our money where it really matters, where we want to be spending it, in our hearts. And we'll have a stronger trust that God will have our back and that he is in control so we don't need to worry. Okay, so on your seats today when you came in, was a card that looks something like this, but not quite as crumpled as mine. Um, so on, we are going to do something with that right now. So grab it. We're going to get super practical here. Super, super practical. Um, so grab your card. There should have been some pens floating around as well. Uh, if you're with us online this morning, uh, which we are loving that you are joining us here, just grab a little piece of paper. On one side, write priorities. And on the other side, write worries. We're going to get super practical. So, on the worry side, we'll tackle that first. I'd love you to make a list of your worries that you can reflect on over the coming days and week. And then what we're going to do is we're going to run those worries through our trust filter, okay? So, once we've written down our worries, you can reflect over the next week. Who am I trusting with this stuff? Am I trusting God with these things? And that's what we're going to think about there. And then, after you've done the worry side, I'd like you to do the priority side. And I'd love you to make a list of what your priorities want to be so that over the coming days we can run our spending the way we spend our money through the priorities filter am i investing in the valuable things that will truly last so we're going to give you some time to do that so doug and the band are going to come up in a second just after i've prayed i realize i've given them no time to do this thing so guys you're going to have to do that in your own time sorry band uh but Uh, Doug and the band are going to come up uh, and they are going to play a song for us, okay? And during that song, I'd love you to reflect and think about your priorities and your worries, okay? Um, So uh, what is going to happen now is I'm going to pray for us while the band get ready. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your advice to us this morning. Thank you that you've you've given us this Bible with all this wisdom, these eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. Uh, this amazing wisdom for how we can live uh, and and not worry so much, Lord. Thank you uh, for the way that you step down into our lives. You don't leave us to struggle down here, Lord. You don't leave us to suffer. You step into our lives and you walk with us. Thank you that you do that, Lord. I pray that in these next few moments and over the coming days and weeks, you'd help us to reflect on this area of, of living with freedom when it comes to our money, Lord. Help us to trust you. Help us to have a really clear image of what our worries might be and what our priorities should be, Lord. Help us to hear from you this morning, I pray. Pray that you'd speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.